Hello everyone, I am Jessie, and it's time to dispense some randomness. Alright, I'm going to start off by apologizing for being completely unprofessional starting now. Um, I have been struggling to get episodes recorded for days now because I really want to get this thing moving, but I have three children. I mean, my oldest is in kindergarten. My second child just started preschool and then I have a baby at home and then I have two dogs that need constant attention because they're both very much puppies. Um, one thinks she's a puppy and one is actually a puppy and not house trained. And then there's the house to take care of. And my husband wants to talk to me on the phone all day. And I'm just, and I have no quiet place to record anything. So if you hear my dogs in the background, I apologize, but that's just the way it's going to be. Also, I will probably not be editing a whole lot because I don't have time. So I thought for our very first episode, um, we would talk about some historic screw-ups because there's a few of those going on today, which we'll probably talk about eventually because you can't really ignore it. Um, not that you should. But we're going to talk about some historic scrubs that sound made up, but they're really not, and they happened a long time ago. Buckle up. These experts on Reddit, I know, Reddit, it's, it's a wealth, a fountain of awesome stuff just to lose yourself in. These experts on Reddit shared their thought on the single worst decision in history ever made. Coming in number one, Scotland invaded England while England had the Black Plague, promptly bringing the Black Plague to Scotland. Seems like a good idea. Uh, in 1349, hearing of the Black Death sweeping over England and believing it to be part God's vengeance on the English, uh, Scotland deciding to take advantage of the situation and mount an attack on Durham, 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 in Northern England. The plague quickly swept through their invading army, killing nearly 5,000 of them, while the retreating men bringing the Black Death home to Eng Scotland, excuse me. Uh, whoops. <laughs> that must have sucked. Number two, I'm going to butcher some of these words, so I apologize. The Shah of Khwarezm killed one of Genghis Khan's ambassadors, so Genghis Khan destroyed his empire. Nice. Uh, the decision of the governor of Khwarezm... Uh, I can't say that word, I'm sorry. The governor of the Khwarezmian 
city of Otrar, oh my gosh, to attack Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan's trade caravan was pretty bad. Khan was famous as a ruthless warlord, obviously. Not the sort of guy you want to piss off. But maybe they could have got away with it. Genghis Khan sent three ambassadors to negotiate a settlement, which is when Muhammad II, the Shah of Khwarezm, made a really bad decision to kill one of these ambassadors and send the other two back without their beards as a sign of humiliation. Apparently beards were important back in the day, which I kind of understand because back in the day, uh, the Q, I believe is how you say it, the really long braid that Chinese men used to wear, it gets chopped off, you get exiled, I believe was the tradition at the time. Uh, Genghis Khan was so enraged, he assembled an army and destroyed their empire, wiping out every town he had. He even rerouted a river to wipe out the village where the Shah was born, wiping it off the map. By 1120, there wasn't much of anything left. Holy crap. Talk about crazy. He rerouted a river so that the water wiped out the village where this guy was born. Yikes. Uh, Genghis Khan executed the governor by pouring molten silver in his eyes and ears. Oh my gosh. That's, that's horrible. Uh, coming in, number three in 1973, Xerox invented a computer with the first modern graphical user interface, but they gave the technology to Steve Jobs. Come on, Xerox. Uh, Xerox invented the graphical interface modern computers use. Desktop, folders, copy, paste, all that. They basically invented the modern computer in the 70s, but the problem was the people in charge at the time were businessmen without any technical knowledge, so they, could, they didn't realize what they had. They did nothing with it, and gave it away to universities and showed other companies. The famous story is that Steve Jobs saw this and within five minutes realized this was the way the computers would work in the future. He copied it because Xerox didn't patent their invention, whoops, and didn't do anything with it, double whoops, and the rest is history. Um, I bet they really regret that now like a lot. Um, Jobs offered Xerox 100,000 shares of Apple stock a year before its IPO at a price of 1 million in exchange for tours and access to the non-copyrighted software. Wow, guys. I mean, that's the worst business decision I've ever heard in my entire life. Number four, Rhodesia killed 40,000 elephants to save their habitat. Yeah, I said that right. That doesn't sound right, but it's right. Turns out elephant grazing was keeping the habitat healthy. So they killed the elephants in order to save their habitat in order to save the elephants. 
That makes sense. Alan Savory, Savory, the ecologist who killed 40,000 elephants because it was believed that grazing was causing the desertification of Africa, only to find out later that elephants were essential to prevent desertification. I don't know if I'm saying that right either. When Savory was working on national parks in Rhodesia, Africa, modern day Zimbabwe, in the 1960s, he believed, like most experts at the time, that desertification and habitat destruction was caused by overgrazing. In 1969, his influence led to the government culling approximately 40,000 elephants. Later in life, Savory, Savory, whatever, reversed his thinking, believing that grazing and mimicking the behavior of ancient herds was the key to preventing desertification. He is now the key figure in holistic management. See, they killed the elephants to protect their habitat to save the elephants. Or to just save the habitat. I don't think the elephants mattered much, to be honest. I don't know. A little weird. Uh, Mao, Mao, this is more Chinese, I think. Yep, Chinese names. Here we go. Mao Zedong, I'm really sorry, told everyone to kill all the sparrows, leaving nothing to kill the locusts. I hate locusts. They're disgusting, and they do absolutely no good whatsoever. He basically told his nation to take pots and pans and kill all the sparrows with pots and pans. I don't know how they would kill them with pots and pans. Whack them, maybe? Uh, however, the e ecosystem was disturbed and the locust population skyrocketed. In 1958, Mao Zedong, as the leader of the newly formed People's Republic of China, instituted the Great Leap Forward to reconstruct the country from an agrarian economy into large-scale industrialization. Part of this was the four pests campaign against flies, mosquitoes, rats, and sparrows. Millions of sparrows were killed, but this left crops vulnerable to locusts. This agricultural policy, poor weather, and famine led to the deaths of 45 million people. What the heck is this guy thinking? I mean, I'm all for, ki I'm all for killing uh, flies, mosquitoes, um, rats, sparrows, I don't mind so much because they eat the bugs. I find that to be a good thing. Next, let's talk about Gerald Ratner for a minute. He wiped out his company's wealth with one bad speech. Just one. Just one. He was talking smack about his own business. He was ousted and the firm almost collapsed before restructuring and rebranding. So he was a CEO of his inherited family company, Ratner's Group, which is now called Signet Group. Sound familiar? Yes. At a dinner in 1991, attended by nearly 6,000 of his industry peers, Ratner let loose with a few ill-conceived jokes, including, 
We also do cut glass sherry decanters complete with six glasses on a silver plated tray that your butler can serve you drinks on all for $4.95. People say, how can you sell this for such a low price? I say, because it's total crap. Whoops. Their stock took a plunge and almost immediately Ratner Group was worth 500 pounds, million, uh, 500 million pounds less, sorry. Yikes. Don't make bad jokes about your own company. It's not a good idea. Yahoo had a chance to buy Google twice. Twice. And it didn't. Yahoo refused to buy Google for $1 million and later for $40 billion again. Oh, excuse me. They refused $1 million, later offered $3 billion, and Google wanted $5 billion, so no deal. And Yahoo was offered $40 billion by Microsoft, and they didn't want to sell. And later, they sold for $4.6 billion. <laughs> it's a little convoluted, but there it is. Yahoo was at one time the internet's most popular search engine, and in 1998, Stanford grad students Sergey Brin and Larry Page offered Yahoo a chance to license their new innovative, their innovative new search technology that would become Google for $1 million. Yahoo declined. Later in 2002, Yahoo offered to purchase Google for $3 billion, but Brin and Page asked for $5 billion. Yahoo refused. Google continued to skyrocket in success while Yahoo floundered big time. I don't even remember the last time I used Yahoo. Does it even still work? I don't even know. Uh, Yahoo sold to Verizon in 2018 for $4.48 billion. In January of 2020, Google was one of three companies to be valued at over $1 trillion. That's crazy. That's a lot of money. Uh, number eight, Sir Cyril Radcliffe had little knowledge of the area when he drew up the line marking the border between India and Pakistan, resulting in years of conflict and death. Whoops. The Radcliffe line. That's what this is about. The process to divide India and Pakistan boundary in 1947 was done hastily and without major considerations to local populous region. Radcliffe was not a geography guy and majorly messed up the process. Millions died because of it. The division was supposed to focus on religious and socio-political divisions, as well as natural boundaries, water bodies, and irrigation systems that would affect both countries. Pakistan was intended as a Muslim homeland, while India was to remain secular. The line led to war by cutting into historic boundaries of, I know how to say this, Punjab, I think is how you say I apologize if it's not, Benga, Bengal and Kashmir, an area Radcliffe was not even aware of, didn't even know they existed. That sucks. Uh, Kodak invented digital cameras in 1975, but was but decided no one would want them. 
what? Eastman Kodak decided not decided not to go forward with their own newly invented digital cameras and instead stuck with film because it made them so much money at the time. In 1975, 24-year-old Eastman Kodak engineer Stephen Sasson I apologize. Let me start that again. Eastman Kodak engineer Stephen Sasson <laughs> in 1975, invented the first digital camera. However, Kodak executives did not see a future in digital photography, and it's easy to see why. The eight-pound camera took 23 seconds to record each 0.01 megapixel black and white photo. It took two, two cassette tapes. The data from the tape was then read and displayed onto standard television screen. That's intense. I can't even imagine waiting that long for a digital photo to pop up. We are spoiled. Uh, Kodak filed for bankruptcy in 2012. And let's talk about the Donner Party for a minute. Taking an untested shortcut on their 1846 journey west leading to starvation, cannibalism, and death. Pretty much everybody knows about this one. I mean, if you've gone through school at all, you know about the Donner Party. 90 pioneers chose to take a shortcut when heading west from Illinois to California in 1846. Said shortcut led, them, led to them getting trapped in the Sierra Nevada mountains, resorting to cannibalism. Notice how I said Nevada. Side note, just so you know, uh, an enterprising attorney named Lansford Hastings, Lansford Hastings Hastings, I, whatever, uh, he published The Emigrant's Guide to Oregon and California in 1845 to promote white settlement and eventually statehood in California. The book referenced a route that would save more than 300 miles over the traditional California trail. However, Hastings had never tested out the route himself. It was only theoretical. Theoretical. The route was not well-worn like the traditional trail and involved hacking through trees and brush, walking through quickly moving river between sheer walls of quartz rock and trekking across a salt desert for 80 miles with no water. How do you propose a trail without ever having been on the trail. Why, why, why would you do that? That makes no sense. Nextly, Robert Ballard declined to bring any artifacts to the surface when he discovered the wreck of the Titanic, resulting in years of legal battles and exploitation. Uh, he was one of the guys who discovered the Titanic. He said that his biggest regret is that he and Jean-Louis Michel, don't know, didn't bring a piece of the Titanic up with them when he first discovered it in 1985. At the time, they didn't want to disturb the wreck and they wanted to leave it pristine. But if they had done so then they would have been able to claim legal ownership of the wreck under international maritime law and therefore more control over it. 
But because they chose not to do that, everyone and their grandma is free to take artifacts and pieces of the wreck. And this makes preservation impossible. Generally accepted maritime law dating back to dating back centuries gives that salvage rights to a shipwreck in international waters goes to the first people who bring an object from the wreck to the surface. Finders keepers, basically. When Ballard's team discovered this Titanic, they left it undisturbed out of respect for the dead. Yeah, say I blame them, but this left an opening for Titanic Ventures to go in and claim salvage rights, bringing up art artifacts to sell for exhibits and souvenirs. Whoops. And number 12. Thomas Midgley? Mid Midgley. We're going with Midgley. Junior. Popularized leaded gasoline and discovered Freon, making him possibly the single individual with the largest negative impact on the environment. Don't want that title. He can lay clay, Thomas Midgley can lay claim to three, count them, three negative impacts on the environment. First, he discovered and helped popularize the use of lead in petrol or gasoline, uh, causing unimaginable harm to the atmosphere and our brains. He contracted lead poisoning when working on the project, but apparently neglected to draw any conclusions from this. <laughs> lead bad. Lead bad. Uh, second, he led the team that discovered Freon, the first, oh my gosh, chlorofluorocarbon, and helped popularize the use of CFCs in refrigeration and industrial applications, causing further unimaginable harm to the atmosphere. It suggested that he had a greater impact on the atmosphere than any other single person in history. And thirdly, in 1940, at the age of 51, Midgley contracted poliomyelitis, which left him severely disabled. He devised an elaborate system of ropes and pulleys to lift himself out of bed. In 1944, he became entangled in the device, sorry, I shouldn't laugh, and died of strangulation. Whoops. A uh, little context, uh, leaded gasoline solved the problem of engine knocking. To divert the attention from the word lead, its poisonous effects, and the cases of insanity, hallucinations, depression, and several deaths of employees at the prototype plant in Dayton, Ohio, and at the Dew Point plant in New Jersey that had been associated with the lead poisoning, lead gas and glean was given the name ethyl. Smoke and mirrors, people. Smoke and mirrors. Yep. So that was uh, 12 historic screw-ups that sound made up, but they're not. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> um, wow, that's fun. I wanted to do um, B 
because this is random, this is all random. Okay? So none of this is going to be cohesive. It's all random. I wanted to do, because we're heading into spooky season, and it's like my favorite. Um, so we're going to do... That's not the one I want. I'm sorry. My computer is being slow. Here we go. Maybe. Yep. So these are kind of spooky, kind of... Um, what the heck is happening? You heard of the glitch in the matrix? I've got some moments to read for you. Um, now, I have not read these beforehand, so you're going to get my live reaction because I, I think it's better that way. Um, so these are glitch in the matrix moments that people submitted to uh, moneymade.com. Yeah. Number one, deja vu. I hate this already. I hate deja vu so much because I have it quite often and it freaks me out. So they say, when I was in high school, my mom, my little sister, and I would eat dinner together every evening and tell each other about our dates. Same. At the time, my sister was young and still in elementary school. On one Monday during summer break, we were all having dinner, and my sister told us about how she and our next-door neighbors were playing with their new cat when it got loose outside. They had to spend the whole day looking for it. Fast forward two days later, and my sister told me the exact same story she had told two days prior. My mom and I looked at each other funny because we both clearly remembered the cat story. When we asked her if she had mistaken the day, she gave us this blank look and said she had no memory of it. But it got even creepier. Oh my gosh. I hate it when it involves kids. Kids make everything creepy. When we called our neighbors to ask them about the cat incident, they told us all of it happened that same day, Wednesday. And they weren't even in town on Monday. Oh my gosh. So my sister told us the story two days before it happened and had no memory of it. How is that possible? Where was my sister on Monday? We still don't know what happened. Shut up. No. It, no. Mm. I don't understand why kids make everything so creepy, but kids make everything creepy. Like my kids say creepy things. And it kind of freaks me out every now and then. <laughs> I'm like, could you not say that? Anyway, this next one is called Two-Faced. Two-Faced, like uh, the Batman villain? Let's see. One day, 16 years ago, when I worked at a gas station, I was watching a teenage couple get slushies at the back of the store. Love slushies. Coke slushies. My favorite. I was taken aback when the young man looked toward the till because I noticed that he had a very severe facial deformity. But then when I kept watching, I noticed something bizarre. 
when he looked to the girl, he looked perfectly normal in profile. Weird. Confused, I assumed I had imagined it the first time. Well, they eventually came to the front of the store, then his face was distorted again, like a terrifying gargoyle. I kept looking at the girl to see if she could see what I was seeing, but she didn't seem to. And every time he turned to her, his his face was normal. Trust me, this was like a Halloween mask. It was not an expression anyone could possibly make. It was so different and terrible. Anyway, as he looked at me and finished paying, I felt like a massive black cloud of hate inside me, like an actual thing. It was like I had drunk a glass of liquid hate. Then they left. I've never been able to explain it. That sounds like you had a diamond. Okay. He might have been a demon and you saw his real face and he looked at you and cloud of hate in your body. That's what diamonds do. I no, I don't like it. Number three is a mystery man. Let's see. My mother did all her OBGYN appointments with a doctor in downtown Austin. He was on the fifth floor of the hospital building and had a longtime receptionist named Allison. It's my sister's name. I remember going to her with appointments when I was going to her with going with that's written weird. I remember going with her to her appointments when I was little and my mother would always make a game out of finding the office and being in the waiting room, which was colorfully decorated with the forest scene. Allison was a super sweet woman who was basically a babysitter for us kids too. She would read books to us, provide coloring books, and occasionally even listen to our dreadful knock, 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 knock jokes. Uh, we all referred to her as Allison Wonderland. <laughs> Aww. Anyways, years down the road, I got married and pregnant and started searching for an OBGYN since I had moved back to Austin recently. My mother suggested I see if that doctor, who was super young when I was born, was still in business. Well, I could not find his name in the hospital directory, so I figured I would just swing by the office and check. My mother happened to be in town. She had moved years ago and came with me. We both joked about it being so familiar, but reverse situations now. As we reached the stairs, we ran into an eerie problem. There was no fifth floor uh-oh, of this office building. Odd. We both must have misremembered it. We knew it was on one of the top floors, so it must have been the fourth. Nope. Not there. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We thought maybe we were in the wrong building, except we parked in the same parking garage from 20 years ago and walked the same route. That doctor does not exist. Never did, apparently. My mother and I are the only ones who remember him in Alice in Wonderland. We have asked around, including among hospital staff. We even looked up our birth certificates, which are new copies, and it just lists attending physician. One of my childhood memories is fake. That is crazy because it's you and your mom going to a doctor multiple times that doesn't exist. What? What? That would freak me out. I would, like, need serious therapy after that. Um, the next one is called A Bad Trip. Mm-hmm. Haven't we all? 
Back in early July, my family was going on a road trip to Montana to visit our parents. Oh, wrong kind of trip. <laughs> my bad. <clears throat> Prior to the trip, I had a horrible, horrible feeling about going. I kept having flashes of car accidents in my head, and I was sure that we were going to get in one if we left. It was so strange because I have a pretty severe anxiety disorder, but this did not feel like my anxiety at all. I have never, I actually never have anxiety about road trips. I love them. Same. Not with kids, though. Anyway, we left Saturday of that week. I had told my parents I had a bad feeling about driving up there, but they dismissed me as being anxious. I had honestly never felt so certain about something in my life. Getting into that car felt like signing my death sentence. Oh my gosh. Why'd you go? So we get about six hours in, and at this point, I start to think I was being ridiculous, and a wave of calmness just washes over me. This is where stuff gets strange. Okay, here we go. My dad passes an underpass, and everything just shifts. I feel like I saw everything in slow motion for a whole four or five minutes. My parents were joking beforehand, but their faces moved so slowly, and then the light in the car started to shift. This was the scary part because I thought I must have been going insane. For a few seconds, there was a huge illumination of light into our car, and I looked at my family, and I could not tell who they were or what they meant to me. What? And then it's like everything just came back. The light shifted back, and I knew who everyone was. What? Still, it felt like something imperceptible had completely changed. I closed my eyes and tried to make sense of the past few minutes. When I reached back to remember, I saw blood, our car, and another minivan in total shambles on the side of the highway, right beyond the underpass and mangled, mangled bodies. But that wasn't all. Oh my gosh. What? So you're remembering? That is some glitch. I remembered sensations I should not have known. What spattered brain matter looks like. Huh? Yuck. The smell of something burning, the way I couldn't breathe. None of it had ever happened, yet I remember that the car in front of us had switched lanes even though there was a truck in front of us. I realized it at the last second, and it they realized it at the last second and hit us with a lateral impact. I have no history of psychosis, and I have never been in any sort of car accident. This wasn't PTSD, and I have never had anxiety over being in a car in any way um, prior to this. And maybe I could have just brushed it off, but I still think about it when I'm driving in my own car. It's made me a more cautious driver. Yeah. I don't know what happened. It was just a weird situation. I remember having the distinct, distinct feeling that in that moment, I had passed on in some sense. I am not a spiritually sensitive person by any means. I am a scientist at heart, but this truly was something I cannot explain. Yeah, that's crazy. Crazy, what? So you like lived the glitch and then remembered what happened in... Wow. That's nuts. Um, next one is the dinosaur room. My son would love a dinosaur room. Love it. Before making an offer on our house, my husband and I went to a house viewing with our three-year-old daughter. Oh, it involves a kid. 
whom we'd left with the babysitter the first time we saw the house. As we walked in, I told her she could choose a bedroom. She said, I want the dinosaur room and ran upstairs. Okay, three-year-olds say random stuff. Yes, they do. Uh, a moment later, she called out, here it is. Sure enough, the closet of her bedroom was covered in dinosaur stickers. My husband, the realtor, and I all freaked out. She acted like she knew the stickers were there, but none of us remembered seeing them before, and we certainly hadn't talked about them. The house was vacant and immaculately clean since it was a, an estate sale. We left the stickers up. Um... Y'all got a ghost. There's a ghost in that house. Probably a kid ghost, which is extra creepy. Putting dinosaur stickers up. Oh, no. No, no, no. Number six, a double-edged sword. My friend Ian and I had been on Cape Cod for three days, staying at my grandfather's beach house. I want a beach house so bad. Like, I could live in a beach house for the rest of my life. We started drinking around 11 p.m. Late start. Okay. By 1 a.m., we had chatted, smoked, and listened to music, the usual. We were feeling good, but not hammered, and decided to go outside for one last smoke before bed. On the way out, we spotted my grandpa's collection of swords and knives on the wall of his garage. I see where this is going, and I don't like it. Okay, drinking... And sharp objects never go together. Being buzzed, young and stupid, yeah, we decided let's have a sword fight. Smart, right? We took a couple swords off the wall and began dueling immediately. Oh my gosh. A little clanging and a few good laughs later, we found ourselves on the main road. It was empty at this hour, just a streetlight and the two of us dueling away. This is where things got weird. Oh... After a few more minutes of silly swordplay, we found ourselves in an intense battle. Soon the battle turned from friendly idiocy to something more intense. I have no idea what started it, but we were really having it out. Uh, Y'all were either seriously drunk or really possessed. Or have deep-seated deep issues with each other that came out during the sword fight. I don't know. I lunged, he lunged, things escalated, and it was quickly out of hand. Then out of nowhere, I got the better of him. I'm still not sure how it happened, but my final attack ended up being much more than I had bargained for. He went pale, uh, he went pale after my final thrust, and my hand shook as I, realized this, as I released the sword, but it didn't hit the ground. Oh my gosh, you stabbed him. Oh, what? I never meant it but my sword ran straight through his abdomen. I stood there in disbelief, wondering how this happened. Wow, you killed your friend. After what seemed like forever with moaning and me in shock, I ran for help. With him moaning and me in shock, I ran for help. I rushed into the house yelling. My grandfather came out of his room and I told him to call 911, then ran back to the street to stay with Ian until someone arrived. Law enforcement showed up first, then an ambulance. After they saw what had happened, we were rushed to the hospital and taken into the ICU where we were told where we were split up and I was forced to wait uh, with a cop because y'all done just killed your friend. After a couple of strenuous hours, a doctor and a policeman entered the waiting room. I expected the worst and I was right. 
Ian had passed on from massive internal bleeding and hemorrhaging in his liver. I went outside for smoke, still trying to comprehend what had happened. Midway through my smoke, a man approached me from behind, asking for a light. You mean you're not in handcuffs? What? I nodded, took out my lighter, and faced the man. The man I faced wasn't who I expected. It was Ian. Huh? Like his ghost? He looked at me, puzzled by my hesitation and shock. I lit his smoke, speechless and immensely confused. You all right, dummy, he asked. I looked around, and we were back on the main street, swords in hand. Let's fight, coward. What? He swung his sword around in the air and then smacked me on the arm, jolting me back into reality. I took a drag of my smoke, picked up my sword, and parried a second swing. I wasn't myself, and he knew it, so he went back to the house, watched TV, and passed out. I didn't tell him what I had seen until years later, and even then he didn't believe me. He still teases me about murdering my best bud and calls me the swordsman whenever we drink together. That's my glitch. That's one. Oh, a group. What? So, what were you drinking exactly? Because that is a crazy glitch. My goodness. Uh, the shadowy figure. Ooh, I hate it already. I remember when I was around seven or eight. Oh, nope. I had, <laughs> nope. Pretty bad sleep paralysis. Let me tell you something, sleep paralysis. If you know, you know. No. I hate it. It's horrible. Uh, I can't snip. No, I just, I can't. One night I went to bed and at some point I began having what I thought was an episode, but on top of not being able to move or scream, I started hearing static. That's annoying. That's when I realized this time was different in the worst way. Looking at the foot of my bed, there was a shadow of an adult figure just sitting there. No, thank you. I know it's common to see and hear things when you have sleep paralysis, but because your mind is going into self-defense mode. But what freaks me out about that night is that later I fell asleep and dreamt that I was in that exact situation again, only I was able to move and project my voice that time around. I couldn't really explain it. It was just so bizarre. I completely lost it and started throwing everything around the room, kicking and screaming. The shadow got up, opened the door and left. In the morning, I woke up and my room was a mess. The covers were on the floor and my bedroom door was open. There was something about that dream that always felt so real to me. 20 plus years ago now, and it's still as fresh in my mind now as it was then. Yeah. I absolutely hate it when I think there's someone standing in by my bed. No, thank you. No. Two roads diverged in a wood. Okay. Nothing good happens in the woods, just so you know. This happened last night while I was on the phone with my girlfriend. I was telling her about my day and ended my sentence with, it shouldn't be like that. Uh, then I heard static and my voice echoing an alternate version of that sentence, it shouldn't be that way. What? The phone call went back to normal and my girlfriend couldn't remember which one she heard first. Did I glitch out to another parallel universe where I chose to end my sentence with other words? I don't know. You know, sometimes when I'm talking on the phone, like especially if my husband is driving in his car and I'm like on the speakerphone kind of thing, um, like I can hear myself 
through his speaker. And it's really annoying. It is so annoying. But I've never had this. That's that's weird. Um, blink and you'll miss it. Eight years ago, I was living in a two-bedroom apartment by myself with two cats. I had a girlfriend who I'll name Elsa, <laughs> cute, for this story, who lived 45 minutes away on our college campus. Most weekends, she would drive into town and stay at my place until she had class again on Monday. We did regular things as we didn't get to see much of each other. So here's the scene. It's Saturday night, 11 p.m. Elsa and I are sitting on the couch watching movie. I can't remember which. We are dressed, sober, and alert, as we slept in that morning and had plenty of sleep. We are chatting, laughing, talking. The TV is illuminating our immediate area, and I kept the light on in the kitchen to provide some ambient light for the living room as well. My cats are asleep in their favorite chair, all as well. Everybody is safe and comfortable. Suddenly, without any kind of warning or inkling, the jump happened. You know you're, when you're watching dialogue in a movie and they're using two cameras to film? When they switch from camera to camera to capture the one speaking, it's seamless. With no clipping, interruption, fading, or transition effects. It was that sudden. We were having a good time together in the living room when in an instant I found myself sitting on the foot of my bed, clothes removed, in the dark. What? For about one half of a second, a million thoughts entered, entered my mind. Had something fallen off the wall and hit me in the head? Did I have a seizure? Was I dreaming the whole time? Where is Elsa? Then the scary part. That wasn't scary. That was that freaked me out. I turned to my right and Elsa is also sitting on the foot of the bed next to me, clothes removed. Her eyes are the size of golf balls and she's trembling. I realize I am as well. I try to speak and ask her if something happened, but I'm so frightened. I only stutter. After looking around the room and realizing we are alive, she managed to ask me what had happened. I didn't want to answer in case it was just me, and I didn't want to come off as nuts. <laughs> I just looked at her. After a pause, she asked. She started asking me again if I had turned off the lights or removed our clothes, or if I knew what was going on. I didn't. Neither of us had experienced grogginess or confusion before the event. Furthermore, we didn't experience any sensations other than fear and confusion after it. No aches or pains, bumps, bruises, or cuts. That's crazy. I reached for my phone to call my mom and see if a doctor would be appropriate. Oh, yes. I noticed that it's not 11 p.m. anymore. Now it's 3 a.m. Whoa, so you lost like four hours. In that sudden instant, that instantaneous change of scene... Four hours had passed. Y'all were abducted by aliens, I'm pretty sure. Everything in the house had been turned off and we had been stripped. We went to the ER as my mom's fear was gas leak. No signs of toxins or injury were found on either of us. Elsa made an appointment for a CAT scan, which also came back as expected. I explored possibilities like gas leak, poisoned our consumer goods like our soda or fast food, neurological malfunctions, and more. But the one thing that always bothered me was the fact that Elsa and I lost and acquired the time at the exact same instance, four hours apart. Neither of us witnessed anything that the other didn't. 
There were no lingering effects. For weeks, I kept bringing it up with her, just hoping one of us would remember something. I browsed forums from all types of sites, searching for answers. Every time I brought it up, Elsa would get scared at the memory and beg me to just let it go. I couldn't. I'm no writer, so I'm sure I left some things out that would have been helpful in understanding the magnitude and surrealism of this event and how it affected Elsa and I. Somebody tell me what happened to me. Um, abducted by aliens. That's what I'm going with. Abducted by aliens. Um, a premonition. A couple of these sounded like premonitions, to be honest. This happened well over a decade ago, but I was so freaked out by it that I still remember it vividly to this day. When I was around 9 or 10 years old, I had this bunk bed with a ladder that would hook onto the metal base holding up the top bunk. To be honest, it was kind of a hazard, but I survived, so I'll call that a win. <laughs> bunk beds? <sighs> Sidebar. My kids have bunk beds. Had bunk beds. Um, the last house we were in only had two bedrooms. So all three of my kids were sharing a room. So the two older kids slept on bunk beds and then the baby was in the crib. Uh, but the baby, uh, learned to climb out of her crib. And then she learned to climb the ladder on the bunk beds to the top bunk. And so we took the ladder off of the bunk bed. And then she learned up to climb. She learned how to climb the end of the bed, like where the footboards or headboards were. She climbed up there. The girl, she's like a foot tall. Maybe, maybe two feet tall. I don't know. But she's small. She's like a year and a half old. She's a year and a half. And she was climbing up the end of these beds like a little monkey. Oh my gosh. I hate bunk beds so much. I hate them. Anyhow, uh, this one day I was at my friend's house chilling in her room with her as we watched one of those infamous early 2000s TV shows. I think it might have been the Amanda show. I didn't really watch that one. At some point, I began to drift off to sleep. When I was in that weird twilight state between asleep and being awake, I started to see what I can only describe as a movie in my head. I could tell I was at least partially awake because I was aware of my surroundings. I could hear the chirping of my friend's guinea pigs in the background and the soundtrack of the TV show. The images I was seeing had this super surreal quality to them. They were transparent, like I could see through them into the darkness behind my eyelids. I saw myself, I saw myself in them too. I was at my house in my bedroom. My friend was standing on the right side of me. My brother was standing on my left and I was standing in front of the ladder to my bunk bed. Behind me, there was a small table that stood against the wall of my bedroom. I saw myself start to climb up my ladder, and I realized I was trying to get something off my bed since I slept on the top bunk. As I climbed the ladder, I began to fall backward. I knew I was going to hit my head on the table. With a jolt, I snapped back to full alertness, sitting bolt upright in my friend's bed, breathing hard as my heart pounded in my chest. I told my friend about what I had seen, and after a few moments, I managed to calm down and put it out of my head. But then came the twist. A couple of hours later, we decided that I was going to spend the night at my friend's house. 
I called my mom to ask for permission before my friend and I walked down the street to my house to get my things. I gathered up my clothes, pajamas, etc., and then went to grab something from my bed. Oh, here it comes. As I was preparing to climb the ladder up to my bed, I froze. I realized that my friend was standing on my right and my brother was on my left. Behind me was the little table. I hesitantly pulled the ladder toward me, only to realize that there was no resistance whatsoever. It was completely unhooked from my bed, just leaning up against it. If I had begun to climb it before checking to see if it was properly hooked to my bed, my weight would have pulled it backward and I would almost definitely have hit my head, hit the back of my head on the little table behind me. I went and told my mom about the incident, st incident still in shock. I didn't know how my ladder had come unhooked from my bed since it was securely fastened that morning when I left for school. My mom looked at me with an expression between shock and horror. She revealed to me that she had taken down my ladder earlier that day while I was at school because she was afraid my little little brother would try to climb up onto my bed and fall, which is exactly what my daughter was trying to do. I hate my friends. When I had called to let her know I was coming home to get some stuff to spend the night at my friend's house, she'd put the ladder back, not realizing it wasn't hooked onto my bed. I had no idea before that day that my mom had a habit removing removing the ladder from my bed when I wasn't home. That's also kind of like a deja vu almost. Creepy. Um, the next one is Bon Voyage. My family goes to a garden center near my town every winter for the pretty Christmas lights. Well, this one year, the day before we were supposed to go, I had a dream that on our way, the tire of the car came off and we crashed hard. It was like a premonition. Here we go again. It was such a horrible graphic dream. My mom's legs had been crushed. My dad got stuck, etc. When I told my mom in the morning, she joked that she checked. She joked and said she checked the wheels. She actually did. She said the car had felt weird and the dream unnerved her. Her discovery unnerved her more. Lo and behold, the tire is loose and needs to be taken to a mechanic. Really weird experience, especially as I've never had a dream feel so real before. Yeah, it's like another premonition type thing. See, the human brain, y'all, is like, what, we only use like 10% of our brain? Is that right? I feel like that's right. So you never know. You never know. Um, now we are going to back to the future. Yeah, I live in a very small town. We have a small grocery store, hardware store, you know the drill. I was getting, I was done getting groceries and hopped in my car to head home. As I pulled up to the end of the driveway of the store, 
blinker on to get onto the main road, I see a big white lifted Chevy pickup driving toward me that I need to wait for. I watch it as it drives closer to me, remarking to myself, sorry, my dog's making noise. Um, remarking to myself that it looks so similar to my husband's, just older and rusted around the edges. It even has the same black el emblem and large iron cross bumper. As the truck goes past me, my jaw nearly fell open. Staring at me intently was a man almost identical to my husband, but with a longer graying beard and gray, around, gray hair around the ears. I quickly gathered myself together and pulled out behind the truck and up to the stop sign that followed. He was, he was staring at me still in his side mirror. Glancing away and then staring at me again, he took off like a shot the first chance he got, and I tried to follow to see which direction he took, but a car was coming and I couldn't get out behind him in time. The truck sped off toward my road, but I don't know if he turned in that direction or not. I know that it's a little crazy, but I couldn't help feeling the total connection I feel with my husband when I saw his reflection in that side mirror staring at me. It gives me goosebumps to think about it because it was like he knew that I was me and I was the wrong age and that he needed to get out of there before I could follow him. What? I got home and my husband was there working, working in his wood shop. I told him about it and he chuckled and asked if he looked hot when he was old. <laughs> I mean, he did if it was really him. <laughs> oh my gosh. So... He, like, time-traveled back. That's crazy. Oh, time bandits. Here we go. This is another... It's probably going to be another um, Back to the Future moment. This happened to my family. Thanks to time zones, it's got a lot of layers. Oh, boy. I hate time zones so much. So my brother was taking a trip out west. From my dad's perspective... He dropped my brother off at the airport before work. My brother was supposed to have over an hour of waiting time before his flight, followed by a four-hour flight. After work, about eight hours later, my dad received a phone call from my brother. Sorry, that's my dog. Um, again, from my dad's perspective, my brother should have been at his destination for less than three hours at that point but my brother took his flight, got to his destination, got picked up by his friends, went to dinner, spent the night, went sightseeing the next day, and then called my dad that evening. He thought he had been there for over 24 hours. Whoa. Oh my gosh. I apologize. Um, that's what? So the dad thought he'd only been there for three hours, less than three hours, but the brother had like a whole day. The confusion ended in a weird argument, but both of them continued to stick to their version of events. They kept things like printouts of flights to prove that they were right. This is how deep it got. They both firmly believe in what they experienced. Honestly, I have no idea how either my dad lost a day or how my brother gained one, but it creeps me out. Yeah, that would creep me out too. This, uh, see, this is what I say when I have no quiet spot to record anything. It's either kids or dogs. Oh my gosh. Uh, Y'all, even if I went into like my closet or like into my bedroom and just shut the door, the dogs would still be barking at the door because 
they're attention whores and we spoil them ridiculously. But so I apologize for the chewing and the squeaky toys in the background. Um, all right. So this one's called 23 years in one night. First some details. I'm 22 years old. Currently I serve in the Marine Corps. Simplify. Uh, in April of 20, 2019, I had what can only be described as a hyper-realistic dream, so much so that it feels more like a legitimate memory than a, than a dream. I've had a few of those. They're weird. It starts off with me waking up the following day and going about my daily routine. Slowly but surely, day after day passes. Eventually, I get out and go to college. I propose to my girlfriend of eight years and get married the following year. Nine months later, I have a son, Timothy. This is an intense dream. It's one of the happiest times of my life. I'm going to school and working as a Lyft driver. With my VA benefits, things are at least moderately comfortable. My now wife works a small part-time job as well. About two years later, we are expecting again. This time it's twins. Oh my gosh. My children, Jonathan, or John, Matthew, and Gracelyn, or Grace, that's pretty, Gracelyn. Gracelyn Marie are born. By this time, I'm finishing up my degree with only one semester left. We eventually, we eventually save up enough to get out of our two-bedroom apartment and make a down payment on a nice four-bedroom house using the VA home loan. I highly recommend. Uh, we also bought our house with the VA home loan. Highly recommend. I finish school and become a pastor. Okay. Day after day goes by. Eventually, Tim graduates high school and enlist in the Marine Corps like I did. When he graduates boot camp, I admittedly tear up. John graduates with honors and gets accepted into mechanic trade school. Grace, against what her mother and I advise, gets married immediately after graduation. Being good parents, we accept her decision and walk her, I walk her down the aisle on her wedding day. Months later, I became a granddad. Holding my grandson for the first time is equal to holding my child for the first time. A year later, it's 2042, and my daughter is expecting her second child. One day, she is when she is seven months pregnant, I go to sleep and wake up. Like, actually wake up. Imagine my surprise when I'm in my 20s and it's 2019 again. I have never felt such loss before. Realizing the family I had didn't exist. That is a crazy detailed and intense dream and oh my gosh what the heck i could never oh my goodness that that is nuts um okay so we've been going for an hour that's the last one for today i'm telling you with the random when i said we're going to dispense some randomness i meant it and I hope you are enjoying it thus far. It's not all going to be random stories from random people like little snippets like this. Sometimes we'll do a deep dive into something. Other times we'll talk current events. Depends on my mood and how I feel and what I'm actually able to get done with all I have going on here. Um, and hopefully one day I'll have a better microphone and a quiet room and all that jazz. So... I hope you enjoyed this. Um, follow along. You can find me on Instagram, Dispensing Randomness. I have a few just like random snippets up there, and I will 
see you there. I hope you follow me there. I hope you follow me here or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much for bearing with me. (laughs) And remember, when you bury a body, cover it with endangered plants so it's illegal to dig it up. Follow me for more gardening tips. Love you. See you next time.